The holiday season is upon us. And just before Thanksgiving, I had the pleasure of welcoming William Clyburn Jr., who is the principal of Clyburn Consulting, which works in shaping public policy around infrastructure of surface transportation in our country. William Clyburn has more than 25 years of experience working in the structures of government, working in the structures of uh, development, and it is a pleasure to have William to join the podcast here at United Christian Parish, and I do hope that you will enjoy uh, the conversations in color with my friend, with someone who I would recommend to sit at any of our tables during this holiday season as we not only bring uh, the decorum and the dishes that uh, we love and are close to our hearts and our stomachs, but also in terms of those other kinds of ingredients that are important to our families and our faith. The ingredients of character, integrity, honesty, and accountability. So we welcome William to our podcast today. So it is my joy to welcome you to this November uh, edition of our podcast here at United Christian Parish in Reston, Virginia. And in order to offer this podcast that uh, we call Conversations in Color. And today we are able to have this conversation uh, with someone who I am honored to welcome to our podcast, someone who I could introduce with one word, if only one word was a requirement. And that one word is leader. So we welcome uh, to our podcast, uh, Mr. William Clyburn Jr. Esquire, uh, my beloved brother in Christ and my friend. And uh, I also wanna give uh, appreciation to uh, Kate Hoeing, who is uh, my boss, as well as director of communications at United Christian Parish. Hi, Kate. Hi, it's great to be here. Well, it's great to have you with us. And William, again, welcome. Uh, uh, thank you, Pastor Leathers and Kate, uh, for just this opportunity just to sit down and just chat with you. Uh, you know, Marks, we go back a long ways, and you've helped a lot of people, and you've been a mentor, a leader, a pastor, and a friend. Uh, and so uh, whenever you have something going on, we, we stand up and pay attention. Well, and uh, we, we have a, a fond way of, of greeting each other, Kate. Uh, sometimes uh, I refer to uh, Brother William as uh, the, the practicing Reverend Deacon Dr. Uh, Brother William uh, Clyburn Esquire. So uh, uh, William, one of the things, one of the fun things that I get to do uh, with the podcast is uh, we, uh, this is our first time uh, but it's something that I've done uh, with my kids, with uh, who you know, uh, Madison and Maxwell. 
And uh, I, we used to do this together when they were uh, really young. And uh, we just kind of had fun together doing this. And, uh, and I wanted to have a bit of fun with uh, you and Kate this, this thought with this podcast. And it's something that uh, we used to do. And the game was called, we called this game, Would You Rather? And so for this part of the podcast, this segment uh, is kind of dedicated uh, to my kids. And so what we would do with this game, Would You Rather, is we would imagine situations having two outcomes and a decision had to be made in choosing only one of those two possibilities. Sometimes neither of the two outcomes were any good. Sometimes both outcomes would be especially good. The task was always the same. You could only choose one of the two outcomes that were available to you. Thus, which of the two possible outcomes would you rather? So for instance, you experienced the unfortunate incident of being trapped in the cabin of a Ferris wheel. Which outcome would you choose? The first would be to sit in this cabin for 10 minutes with Albert Einstein. Or the second of the two possibilities is to sit in the cabin for five minutes with the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Which would you rather? And the follow-up question to your answer is why? <laughs> wow. Well, this is interesting. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, my mother would buy us these little books. Uh, and when you read the book and get to the end of the page, it will ask you, do you want to go to page 24 or you want to go to page 42? depending on if you turn left or right. And there'll be a different outcome depending on what your decision is. Mm -hmm. it, it reminds me of Robert Frost and, and that road less traveled. Uh, and so uh, the first thing that comes to mind is, uh, I'm like, well, why 10 minutes with Albert Einstein and, and only five with Dr. Martin Luther King? Uh, uh -huh. But uh, I don't know who came up with these questions, uh, uh, but uh, it, it really appeals to you know, my background, I'm an engineer. Uh, I, I, I love math and science. And so I grew up uh, reading about Albert Einstein and the theory of relativity. And while some people's eyes would glaze over, I'm like, E equals MC squared. I'm like, how fantastic was that? And even if I didn't like physics, I just was astounded by the science and the math involved with the focus it takes to, to try to come up with something. And, and I would love to, uh, to sit down with, uh, with Mr. Einstein and, and, and to hear about his, his upbringing, his childhood, because it wasn't always easy. And he was somewhat of an oddball at some points, but at, at a young age, he was focused enough to come up with such incredible mathematical computations. Uh, and he was involved in world affairs and he had to move around. I would love to hear that story. And then I'm thinking about, well, he might try to figure out a way to get out of there. So it might only be a two minute conversation. Uh, and, but then if I'm sitting with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And 
things that I that resonate with me. You know, I'm from the South and uh, I went to school in Atlanta. Uh, and and some of the things he was talking about uh, were, were personal experiences for me and, and for my family. And when he was in, in jail, that letter from a Birmingham jail, and, and he talked about how time he thinks is, is neutral, but more increasingly, he seems to feel that the people of ill will are using time more efficiently, more effectively than the people of goodwill. I'm like, wow, I want to hear more about that. Uh, mm -hmm. And so uh, I could go either way on that one, uh, uh, past the leathers. Uh, but um, if I had to choose, and I know that's the constraints of this question, mm -hmm. uh, I would probably choose uh, the five minutes with Dr. Martin Luther King, um, because it really, uh, I, I would want to know what gave him the fortitude to stay the course when you're talking about nonviolence in a violent world. And then you're asking people who have been uh, exposed to the violence to say, turn the other cheek and what that means uh, to your body and to your mind and to your spirit. Uh, but then to bridge the gap and to have people from different backgrounds and diverse backgrounds come together as one, where to this day, people are using that as an example of how we should be, uh, just like Christ tries to teach us to use him as an example. And so we want to be Christ-like, and I just think that was just a Christ-like dynamic. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, William, I think one of the uh, initial things you, you inquired about was uh, uh, who was the person who would have even created such a question. And uh, Kate, did you create these questions? I think uh, this was uh, you. Uh, well, I, I plead the fifth uh, <laughs> on, on that. As well you should, uh, <laughs> because that was sneaky. <laughs> but you know, William, uh, as uh, we'll share in a little bit more about your background in just a few minutes, uh, it's a question that, uh, I think a number of people uh, in our society who share this uh, uh, duality of uh, the appreciation of, uh, of science, engineering, technology, mathematics, uh, but also their experience of faith. And both uh, Albert Einstein and Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, were similar in that aspect. Martin Luther King Jr. said he gave thanks for science because it uh, helped to alleviate the temptation of those in faith communities from perceiving religion as magic. But also for those who were in the world of science uh, from uh, removing themselves from the consideration that, uh, uh, that, that science uh, could actually take the place of God. And so there was a certain balance that they lended themselves to or gave uh, themselves to uh, for accountability. But also the, the fact that uh, Albert Einstein, who uh, was of the Jewish community who escaped uh, and uh, really was able to have 
uh, a bit more of years of life in order to share his knowledge with the world, uh, but also who embraced uh, a calling to uh, equal rights, uh, to equity, to social justice, and really gave a lot of attention to the uh, uh, communities of color in terms of uh, the opportunities of science. Uh, and, and, and yet for someone who did something so, so great for the, uh, the world in terms of his work in justice and civil rights, Martin Luther King Jr., who only had uh, 39 years. And so that was the sense of the, the 10 minutes with Albert Einstein or only the five minutes with Martin Luther King Jr., that sense of it being cut, time being cut short. Um, but I want to uh, kind of uh, uh, move William to talk about uh, a, another uh, question. And, uh, and that is the uh, kind of uh, study in, in terms of the field of STEMs uh, is that I believe that it was uh, percentage was something um, more of, of around, um, I believe it was more than, than of the 33% of those who earned uh, uh, STEM degrees, and you may help me with this percentage, that um, it's still only about 12% of uh, African-Americans who are earning uh, degrees in, in the disciplines of STEMs. And what do you think in terms of your insights about uh, the, the engineering uh, and advancements in technology? You, you majored in ceramic engineering. And when I learned that about you, and I had not met someone with that uh, uh, focus, in engineering. What was it that led you to that kind of insight about ceramic engineering? Because I know that that's something, if I'm, if I'm, not, uh, if I'm not incorrect, uh, uh, they're, they're used for chips and uh, some of the other kind of transportation devices that, that are, are kind of most innovative right now. Wow, so yeah, you've been doing a little homework there, uh, talking about a duality in the spiritual and the science. And now you're talking about material science and ceramic engineering. Uh, and when I graduated from Georgia Tech in 1989, that was the last class where that discipline was called ceramic engineering. Uh, the very next year, it was the School of Material Science. So maybe that's a fancier word, uh, the same discipline. Uh, and I started I off- in, I stayed in material engineering. I transferred from chemistry to material engineering and I stayed in material engineering for one semester. I couldn't take it. I went back to the chemistry department, William. <laughs> well, you know, the, the engineering, uh, the ceramic, the materials engineering has a heavy chemistry base. So you were good either way, going back to that duality. Uh, and, and I think, uh, part of the rationale uh, was, you know, I started off in chemical engineering. Uh, I used to I live from, I'm from Aiken, South Carolina. And in Aiken uh, is the Savannah River site. Uh, so back in the 50s, when it was first initiated, they used to produce the tritium for the nuclear warheads uh, for the nation's defense. And so 
there's a lot of materials and ceramic engineering now with the defense waste processing facility and how do you take care of that high level radioactive waste. And I had a real interest in well, how do you do that? And what's the science behind that? And so that was really one of the drivers because at that age, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, but I knew if I had a good foundation in engineering, I would have the flexibility uh, to go anywhere. And, and, and that also just kind of looks at life. You know, what can you build? What foundation can you build? Because you don't know the curveballs that life will throw you. But if you have a strong, solid foundation, and as we know, having a strong foundation in Christ just prepares you for any and everything. And so that engineering background was very helpful. And you're right, STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math is important. And you have engineering schools where you have more African-Americans who are involved, but that's something uh, like everything else that you need to be intentional about and vigilant with. So uh, William, a part also of, uh, of your career is uh, if folks would want to Google uh, William Clyburn Jr. Uh, they find that you were the former board vice chairperson uh, for the Surface Transportation Board. Um, and as a Democrat from South Carolina, you were the fourth member to serve on this board since its inception in 1996. Can you tell us about uh, your appointment and, uh, and its significance for your constituents? But also, uh, how important is that function of the, such a board in light of this new infrastructure build uh, that was just signed into law? Well, great question, uh, Marcus. So uh, the Surface Transportation Board was formed in 1996, but it is the child of the, of the organization called the Interstate Commerce Commission. So the ICC is the country's very first independent regulatory agency back in 1887. And then in 1996, instead of regulating trucks and railroads and some water carriers, they pared it down where it focused mainly on railroads. So they changed the name to the Surface Transportation Board, but it's the oldest independent regulatory agency. Well, what was significant about, uh, one of the significance about that is that I was the fourth one from the board and the fourth African-American since 1887. And so when we talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion, when you have people from different walks of life that understand transportation and infrastructure, who built it, who worked it, who rode it, who used it, uh, why only four, now the fifth one 20 years later, since 1887. And so when my name came up, I had to go through the whole Senate confirmation process. So that means I had to get 100 senators to vote on whether I was qualified enough to be on that agency. And so I, I wasn't going to do that by myself. It took a lot of prayer, a lot of homework, and a lot of allies. We talk about allies now. Well, we had some allies back then. So we had to have Republican as well as Democrats to support that nomination. We had to have people who were from rural and urban areas support that nomination. And we had to have different stakeholders, those who were railroad, those who were shippers, and those who were customers 
all had to come together and saying, let's go ahead and go with this guy because he's proven himself because he's dealt with those issues. And so the life lesson that I received from that is not that I get to wear this little pin uh, uh, now because it's the Surface Transportation Board and, and they say I served honorably, but that it took a lot of people coming together uh, to be on one accord. And wow, isn't that a lesson from the Bible? William, you, you mentioned it, the, the history of, uh, of this particular uh, board. And I, I know that you served honorably. Uh, whatever response task is put into your uh, uh, person, is gonna be done honorably because that's who you are. Um, that's in regards to the family that God has entrusted to you, your beautiful family, whether it's your work in the church, uh, your work in, um, in the community. Um, and I'll say a little bit more about that hopefully before we finish. But I wanna say, Ask hey, you've been trying to make me cry for years. It hadn't worked yet, but uh, Marcus, I receive uh, what you're saying, and just well, thank you, my brother. We still have thirty. We still have about twenty-five minutes. So, 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 but, uh, but I, I want to say, just ask this though, William. You mentioned the year 1887, the beginnings of this organization. What would you think about? the connectivity, because a part of what this podcast, we, 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 the title Conversations in Color, and it's not necessarily about ethnicity, race, and so forth, as much as it is about the, the distinction between seeing something, so to speak, as we always want to think about it sometimes as in black and white, but the, the, there, there's the song this, that I love, this country song, uh, you should have seen it in color. And that's the part of what, we're, what we want to get at in our conversations is uh, that, that kind of what's happening underneath, what really brings out some of these kind of surface conversations that sometimes we have with each other. So in 1887 was when that organization uh, came into, or, uh, uh, so to speak, operation, functioning, and so forth forth. What I'm trying to get at is it was the it was in a sense the, the the transportation and at that point there was something that was under construction in this country which was the the railroad system. Um, in 1887 there was also something that was put into law of the land which was called the Dawes Act. The Dawes Act was intentionally what what I understand of, of asking of the native peoples of having to actually prove that they were one half of one tribe in order to continue to hold on to their land. And with something that's so important as uh, the, 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 uh, the, the, what is now law in terms of this infrastructure bill, uh, we know what happened in 1887 because you, you, you had the Cherokee and the, the Navajo and the Choctaw and so many other 
and having to, so to speak, try and prove that you were actually, you were an Indian. Uh, what does it mean in our society now when there are infrastructure laws that say that their intentionality is to serve all of the people in this country? How would you help this society to more positively address the corrections needed in impoverished communities in our country so that these laws are of equitableness and uh, 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 fair, I don't even want to use the word fairness, but just. Very critical uh, context and question, uh, Marcus. So uh, as we know, Monday, uh, the president of the United States signed uh, that bipartisan infrastructure bill, uh, over a trillion dollars to go to infrastructure, roads, bridges, but not just roads and bridges, uh, broadband, uh, because we see from this pandemic uh, how it exacerbated issues that were already pre-existing about the disparities in so many of our neighborhoods and communities. And if you have to go virtual to take a class, but you don't have functional internet or broadband, and you have three kids in the house, and you're trying to work from home, and yet you still have some people who have to drive to the local McDonald's because they have Wi-Fi so that they can try and do their homework, then it exacerbates what was already there. And so that package is there to help address uh, those very draconian disparities. And in that bill, you will even see where they have about reconnecting neighborhoods. I can go to different parts of the country and I can show you and your listeners can see neighborhoods that are bifurcated by a railroad or by a highway and that it was intentionally done in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s to separate people who they felt were different or from different socioeconomic backgrounds. And now in this bill, there's an opportunity to try and rectify those disparities. And when you have healthcare centers and community centers that need to be in rural areas, and you have telemedicine that can be a, a big supporter and function to help people get needed healthcare that don't live in the city because their lives are important too. Then we start to see the importance of coming together. We celebrate our differences and diversity, but just like in 1 Corinthians, we're all part of one body. And so being able to address the different needs, the hand doesn't function the same as the eye or the foot. 
And so being able to address the important needs of each part of that one body, it just goes in line with all the questions you've asked so far and the duality and our role in trying to bridge those gaps. Thanks, William. You, you mentioned this kind of bifurcation that has been a part of the, the history of uh, this system of and transportation, the railroad system, and, and, and how it can literally uh, divide a county or a city between the haves and the have-nots. And that was the kind of experience that I lived growing up in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, uh, there were two counties, Edgecombe County, where I grew up in, the county I grew up in, and Nash County. Uh, Edgecombe County was probably now is closer to a little better than 60% uh, people of color, African-American, uh, twice the, almost twice the percentage of those who, who are white whereas the demographics would be just the opposite for Nash County. And so we were that kind of community that had less of uh, those kinds of resources. Uh, the, the hospitals were, were in Nash County. Uh, the uh, businesses were in, in, in Nash County more so. Uh, what my father used to always say is we had the, the uh, the meat packing facilities, the slaughterhouses uh, in Edgecombe County, but it was over in Nash County where they got the to receive the, the work from the slaughterhouses and all of those things in terms of the fine dining restaurants and some of the better, better uh, uh, kinds of uh, facilities and so forth. So what would your message be to the younger generation, this more complex society of young people that um, have seemed to, uh, in some ways, reverted back to the more conservatism that we may have uh, seen when we were growing up uh, to, to some degree. Uh, but in other ways, uh, these, this younger generation seems to have a far far better understanding of cooperation, of, uh, of, of just simply uh, getting through some of these kinds of barriers that were once there for you and I. Yeah, so I've noticed, uh, I, I tend to see uh, a younger generation uh, that don't have all of the burdens that maybe the older generation had when they were living through some of these very stark disparities. And they're still there, but there seems to be more of a culture of we're all in this together. But that needs to be nurtured so that that energy continues to go in a positive direction. You know, when I sometimes when I'm mentoring uh, a young group and I go to a class and uh, I'll show a picture of a car with a door handle 
that you have to crank to wind up the window or wind down the window. And when I ask them, what is that? They don't say door handle. They say, wow, even back then, they had an emergency handle for when the power windows did not work. We didn't have power <laughs> windows. That's not what that is. That is the only way. And if it's raining, that was it only fast. <laughs> and so they didn't get it. And so if I were using uh, expressions, they're like, what are you talking about? Uh, now, you know, we didn't have a cell phone. You had a rotary phone. And if you wanted to get a call from a young lady, you had to be home or you missed the call. There was no beeper. There was no iPhone or Samsung. And so but now also, they William, have, you, also, did you share, share with them that if you had two of those rotary phones in the house, unlike a cell phone, the only way that they can hear your conversation is if you have it on speakerphone. But my parents, if they wanted to hear what I was talking about to that girl, all they had to do was pick up the other phone. And you're listening for the click. Wait a That's minute, right. somebody else is on the line. Uh, <laughs> they don't have that issue. They have whole computers in their hand. And that goes back to the microchips, the semiconductors, the superconductors, the cloud. Along with that technology and that efficiency, comes responsibility also though, because now you have such avenues for misinformation and disinformation. And so it becomes incumbent upon us to be even more vigilant that we help to guide this youthful energy and their desire to understand the whole body as one. And so I think that's our challenge, why we recognize that we actually can learn something from them about your differences really aren't that serious. We don't have to, to carry along that burden because even the mere fact of race is a man-made invention here where at what degree are you black? How, what degree are you not? Uh, what difference does that make when it comes to our being a community? We're not there yet, but that is the goal. And yes. so that's why diversity, equity, inclusion is important because we have to recognize when we are not on that track, at the same point, encourage people to move forward together. Yeah. Well, Kate, this is the reason that um, when, when, whenever uh, William, in, in the disciples tradition, we, we have a strong sense of, uh, of the laity. And, uh, and so the, the laity were always encouraged uh, to uh, share the role uh, in ministry. And, and so I'm taking the, the long route instead of the short route to say that uh, whenever folks could hear William preach, the, the challenge was that they would always want him to preach again next Sunday. And I have to say, wait, wait, wait a minute. I'm still the pastor. I, I mean, when do I get to preach? So. <laughs> oh, his well, self-deprecating humor, uh, his ability uh, is just beyond bound. <laughs> but, uh, 
But I, I, I'm jokingly just saying that we, because I wanted to, I, it's getting close to time. We've got to be able to, to, to let you go. But uh, the late Reverend Dr. Samuel Proctor, who was, was a great pastor uh, uh, at, uh, in, in New, York, New York City. And he said that in the tradition of the black church experience, one of the most unforgivable sins for the black pastor or the person who has the sermon responsibility for that Sunday is to not preach. And in our tradition, there's, there's something about whether the pastor preached or whether that pastor preached that Sunday. So as one of the finer speakers, William, uh, you've given a lot of time in order to help me to become a more effective preacher. Uh, I know how much you work in terms of engagements in the community and in public speaking, uh, the skills that you employ in your, your speeches in terms of humility and integrity and intellectual endeavors, your Southern colloquialisms. Can you share with this audience and with me a bit about the program that you're now participating in, uh, the Lexington Theological Seminary, the Certificate for African-American Ministry, uh, and again, what it means to be a leader in something like this. Yeah. Uh, that's a program that I didn't know much about. Uh, I received the email uh, and I said, well, I was led to say, well, this looks interesting. And now, you know, uh, you, you uh, devout Christians talk about, you gotta count the costs. Now, I don't know how much counting I did. I was like, this looks interesting. I, I didn't know it was this involved, uh, no, but I, I felt compelled to, once I got started to keep on moving in uh, no small measure, Oh, uh, there's this guy, you know, you always, I know a guy uh, who can fix it. I went to this guy, Marcus Leathers, who wrote a letter of recommendation. And next thing I know, I'm locked in now. And so uh, instead of complaining about it, I, I kind of went full speed ahead. And it's just been phenomenal uh, yeah. thus far. What you learned from uh, Dr. Lee and Dean Martell and it's just amazing the professors they bring in and it's about exposure uh, and seeing things that you may not have seen before and you talk about uh, the preaching and i used to teach a course in public speaking uh, the rule of three uh, the father the son the holy ghost and uh, you've been had you've been took you've been hoodwinked and, and you know, it's just a rule of three it's a rhythm well, you now, can, William, where did you did you create that jet line, or did you borrow that from somewhere? Uh, which one? <laughs> you, you, you've been had, you've been took, you've been bamboozled. Oh yeah, well you know uh, that came from uh, uh, the movie uh, uh, Malcolm X and Denzel Washington. You know, uh, on a good day, if I wear the coat and the hat and brim. I might be confused at a distance. Uh, uh, I did my best with that, William. Uh, when that, right after I watched that movie, uh, to to to, I even grew the goatee just to see if I might get recognized. 
and and that also goes into you know, my grandmother taught me God gave you two ears and one mouth. Listen twice as much as you speak. And so you, know, you brought about Albert Einstein, who, who was Jewish, and Dr. Martin Luther King, who was Baptist. And you listen to to different uh, things. You read differently. You want to hear different people. Uh, not that you agree with everything, but you want to identify so that you can have a civil and constructive conversation. Uh, and so part of that CAM class and, and that instruction there is about finding your voice because you, you talked about proctor and, and preach. And, and preaching doesn't have to be that you uh, 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 loud and you uh, are singing and, and, and you hoop and you hop. It goes even deeper than that when it comes to the prayer before, the solitude before, the silence before, the meditation before, and finding your voice and not the literal voice, am I baritone, am I a tenor, soprano, but your figurative voice, uh, where are you being authentic from your life experiences and resonating with people who have different experiences. And, and that's deep uh, and that's thoughtful. And that's what I've been learning uh, by uh, coordinating with your colleagues, our cohorts. Well, I think, William, that as much as you have talked about in terms of uh, uh, what you've received, I think is what, what you're giving and what you continue to give because uh, you, you always speak from that, that, that base, that platform uh, of integrity, of sincerity, uh, of, uh, of knowledge and accountability. Um, and, and so that's something that, that I've appreciated. Um, I, I wanted to just say a little bit more about this because of the importance of uh, the community that you serve, that we both intend to serve, that there's so much uh, polarity, I think, that has been identified in regards to the the valuing of one's opinion more so than the valuing of truth, of actual truth. That it seems to be more important for someone to get their opinion uh, out onto their platform versus using that platform to project, to proclaim truth. And so, how important is the art of preaching in order to develop leadership in our community? Um, and, and what might be some of the effective ways that the church uh, could utilize things such as a podcast and other social mediums in order to more contrast some of these dangerous approaches uh, that undermine socialization? Yeah, socialization, social media, uh, we're social beings uh, and people uh, want to see how many likes they have, uh, how many clicks they get, uh, 
uh, advertising dollars focus on how many eyeballs are on uh, the ad or the program. And so we seem to be driven by popularity uh, and what resonates. Uh, when we want to be driven by what's factual, what's truth, uh, what's honorable, uh, we want to have an integrity. And, and so we all know that everyone won't be uh, on one accord on everything. And we know that uh, there are forces uh, that uh, don't always intend for good. Uh, and so we have to be uh, discerning and mature enough to understand that and be vigilant enough to say, I'm going to stand up for what is truthful, even if it is not popular. Uh, and, uh, and I recall uh, my father, for the young listeners, you know, I'm, you're a teenager and, uh, you know, I'm trying to uh, uh, get a date. I'm trying to get a phone number. I'm trying to go out and I'm trying to be, you know, I want them to call me. Uh, but he was very sincere when he said, son, don't try to be somebody you are not. Don't try to be cool. Don't try to be popular. Be honorable and be yourself. Now, of course, as a 16-year-old, that, that didn't resonate with me so well because I wanted to be popular. But what I found out is that even though I wasn't the most popular at each point, uh, people would come to me because they felt that I had integrity and was honorable. I would walk the young lady to the car and then go back home. Or I would do someone a favor and not expect something in return. And that didn't give me the instant gratification, but over time that built up a reputation where now people will call me just because they feel that I will be honest and truthful with them and try to be helpful to them. And that means more to me uh, than the quick instant gratification of pulling a phone number or being popular or getting the most clicks. And ironically, at the end of the day, at the end of the time frame, I'm in a better place for yes. what I'm trying to do. You've asked me to be in this interview, uh, in this podcast, and if I were not being, uh, trying to be honest, trying to be truthful, trying to be helpful, uh, I would not have this forum. Uh, and if I did get it, I wouldn't be happy about it or what the outcome would be. And so I thank you for encouraging me to continue to move in that direction and to encourage others to do the same. And maybe we string along enough of that paying it forward that you all are doing that we make a difference. Thanks, William. Um, tell me, how did you how did you come into you, to your relationship to, with Jesus Christ to know that your relationship with Jesus Christ was one of the most important things or the most important relationship for you? Wow. Well, well, that's a, that's a real question. Uh, and some people, uh, they say they see the, the light and, 
the earth was shaking and uh, uh, they had a vision or they heard a voice that may not have been real, but it was audible uh, uh, to them. Uh, and some people say, I don't know. Uh, it just happened. And over time, uh, that seems to be more uh, for me where over time, and I'm so thankful uh, to God that he's given me time to mature to the point where I can feel the way I feel and see the things I see uh, and be around people that remind me of the pathway that I should take. And so the mere fact that even if it's a busy day and you have a lot of things going in Washington, D.C., the pinnacle of world power, uh, and you have issues that need to be resolved, to take a moment to talk about God, to talk about Jesus Christ and how that impacts me, that that is the stabilizing force. Uh, that is what gets you over the rough patches. That's the bridge over the gap. Uh, that's the, uh, the, the sail and the ship uh, in the troubled seas that is still calm. And so while it's raging on the outside, uh, the Lord sleeping in the bowl, well, what you worried about? <laughs> uh, being faithful and then being working to make sure that that faith stays alive. And so it's been uh, a pilgrimage for me uh, but it's been a blessed experience uh, uh, thus far. Hey, thanks, William. I only have one more question, and I think we can do it in about a minute and a half. Uh, and it's for both you and Kate. Uh, on Thanksgiving, because we're just uh, about a little better than a week away, uh, what's your favorite, favorite staple? that uh, you can't, can't do without on, at Thanksgiving. Now, Kate, does she go first? Kate can go first. Sweet potatoes. Sweet potatoes. That is so, so the, wait, wait, so with, marsh with, with marshmallows. I was just about to ask, is that <laughs> sweet potatoes without the marshmallows or, or you know? Gotta, you gotta be with, gotta, gotta be, be with. Okay. All right, all right, I'm with you, I'm with you. That is so fascinating that she said that because that's not my answer, <laughs> kinda. Uh, my answer is my mother's or my sister's sweet potato pie. <laughs> mm. uh -huh. So you know, being from South Carolina, sweet potato pie. Uh, and so the mere fact that she's talking about sweet potatoes uh, I might buy some stock in those futures because there's going to be a lot of sweet potatoes getting bought this year. <laughs> well, William. And Marcus, I want to uh, I want to say one other thing. Sure. Uh, because you brought up about duality and Albert Einstein and Dr. Martin Luther King uh, and differences. Uh, but we all uh, trying to strive for the same thing and being Christ-like in that one body. Even though Einstein was a mathematician and a scientist, and he is globally known for E equals MC squared and the theory of relativity. And he was in Germany and 
World War II was building up. And the English were on the other side. It wasn't until you had international scientists that underscored what Einstein was theorizing about that he got traction and was well known. Dr. Martin Luther King was one Baptist preacher, but he had an ecumenical and not just preachers and not just rich people, of course, but he wanted everybody to come together. Yes. And so whether you're talking about the science or the spirituality, uh, there's one analogy that seems to tie both of them together. And that's about the redwood trees. We mm -hmm. all know that they can grow 300 feet or taller. Mm -hmm. The tallest trees in the world, the sequoia, the largest, wide, widest. But those redwood trees are so tall, they don't blow over in the wind. When mm -hmm. a storm comes, they don't just fall over. Why is that? Because the root is only four feet deep. They don't blow over easily. They're hardy and strong because redwood trees grow in groves. Mm. So their roots, even though are shallow, they mm -hmm. tie into each other. Excellent. And so those redwood trees, they carry each other's burdens. Yeah. And they stand tall and strong together. Your question goes to that and underscores this whole conversation. Thanks, William. Now, Kate, you see why whenever we might be on a platform together, I'm going first. William is speaking after me. <laughs> William, I love you. Um, I have so much admiration for you and there are just not enough positive, strong adjectives for me to just um, to talk about you. Um, again, you are one of the strongest leaders that God has blessed my life with. And so I want to wish you uh, the best of Wednesdays as you go off from us to, to do your work uh, in this country, uh, the clients that depend on you, the family that depends on you, the communities, the churches that uh, you put on your shoulders. So may God be with you, give you strength, continue to encourage you even in those moments when there may be adversity to come against you. But the, the strong presence and sovereignty of God that covers you. Amen. Amen.